Join me this evening in Ephesians 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, confess this evening that we are your church. And what a privilege it is to gather here as the church on the solid foundation of Christ and the apostles and the prophets to know that the church will triumph that the gates of hell will not prevail, that the gospel will go forth, and that one day the church will be at rest. Give us grace. Give us strength. This evening as we turn our attention to this passage, we pray that your spirit would work through the word of God, that you would touch each and every one of us, that you would guide us, that you would teach us. We pray that distractions would fade away, we focus on what you have for us this evening. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned this morning, my plan for the next few weeks was to come back to our theme for the year. It's something that we started on this year, the first few uh, week or months of the year. In fact, we got through two uh, before coronavirus struck, and then we didn't meet for several months. And then when we did get back to meeting, we didn't pass our offering plate, which is when we'd always say our verse of the year together. Um, and, and for a while when we were meeting, we, weren't, we were meeting uh, not on Sunday nights, and then we did pick that back up. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't jump back into our series. You may remember the theme for the year. You may not remember. It's been a while. But the theme for the year was the church. And our passage was, our, our verse was what Todd read earlier in Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, which says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that, that works within us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him be glory in the church. We got through the first two messages on our journey of studying the church this year. We saw the church promised in Matthew 16, 18. The church promised. It's a well-known passage where Jesus is, is speaking. In fact, I'll read the passage uh, in Matthew 16, 13 to 20. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
And he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. Here we see the church promised. Looking forward, this is coming. I will build my church. The gates of, of hell shall not prevail against it. It is still future. But it's here in Matthew 16 that we are first introduced to the church. In Acts 2, then, we see the church introduced or the church established. David Fish led us through Acts chapter 2. At Pentecost, as the Spirit comes, and there's a large group that is added to the church as it is established, it's founded. In fact, we see that. Acts 2, verses 40 to 47 say this, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed together... Now, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. In these two passages, we've seen the church promised, the church introduced or established. Now going forward, the plan was, and, and in the next few weeks, Lord willing, we'll answer the question over the next three weeks, what is the church? We'll see the church's foundation, the church's makeup, and the church's purpose. Then we'll answer, ask the question, well, how is the church organized? And we'll see the church offices, pastor and deacon. What is the church's practices? We'll see the church ordinances, church offices, then church ordinances, baptism, and communion. And then what does the church look like? The church thriving, the church suffering, and the church at rest. This evening, we're going to quickly turn our attention to the church's foundation. See that here in Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22. Really, we're going to focus in on the last three verses, verses 19, or last four verses, verses 19 to 22, but I'm going to start in verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by the hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, 
thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. This evening we see the church's sure foundation. Like I said, we'll be focusing on verses 19 to 22. But the context of these four verses in Ephesians 2 is important leading up to them. In fact, my plan is, Lord willing, in uh, the coming weeks to look at these uh, verses here in verses 11 to 22 as well. Paul here in chapter 2 is writing to the Ephesian believers, the church at Ephesus. And we all know the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2 very well. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but you've been made alive by God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's a glorious passage. It's a favorite passage of many of us. As you come to verse 11 then, Paul is building on that. You've been saved by grace through faith, but then you've been placed into something. You've been placed into this new body, the church. He first talks about who they were. You were Gentiles in the flesh. You were called the uncircumcision. You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Then in verse 13, we see the second great but of Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is the peace who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of partition. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two. One new man. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, but you've not been placed into the commonwealth of Israel. You've been placed into this new man. This new man from the two. Through the cross. You come to verse 19, now therefore, in Christ, what you were, you were strangers, you were foreigners, you were aliens, but now in Christ you are no longer strangers, you are no longer foreigners. You are fellow citizens with the saints. You weren't a citizen, now you are a citizen. You did not have a home, now you have a home. But notice it doesn't just stop with citizenship, but he goes on, and members of the household of God. You're not just a citizen. You're a family member. That's even more personal, more close, more intimate. 
So what is this new thing? This new man into which you've been put? It is the church. And it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. As you work your way through verses 20 to 22, you see the cornerstone, the foundation, and then the building. I know that's not the order in which it's listed in verse 20. You have the foundation, then the end of verse 20, the chief cornerstone. But I'm going to start at the bottom and build up. Chief cornerstone, foundation, building. The first thing we see here in the end of verse 20 into 21 is the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together. You say, well, what is a chief cornerstone? Well, the cornerstone is the first and the most important stone that is laid. Everything else that is done in the building is done in relation to the cornerstone. With no cornerstone, there is no building. With a cornerstone that is not properly placed, the building will not properly stand. If the cornerstone is off, the building will be off. Cornerstone is the foundation of the foundation. The cornerstone gives direction, it gives stability. It is the cornerstone which holds this building together, which fits this building together. It's the cornerstone which gives this building the stability that it can then grow, that it can continue to be built. In verse 20, we see that this cornerstone is Christ. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. He's the foundation of the foundation. Christ is the thing in which everything else in the church gets its purpose. Everything else in the church is done in relation to who Christ is and what Christ has done. Without Christ, there is no church. It's important to note, I think, that in Matthew 16, when Christ is talking to Peter, he says, Blessed are you, Peter of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my Father who is in heaven but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We noted, you probably don't remember, back in February, but when we went over this passage back in February, I promise you that we noted that the church is Christ's church. It is not your church, it is not my church, it is his church. But it's important, I think, for us to notice here that not only is it his church, but that it is built on him. It is his, and he is personally invested in it. 
So Christ is this chief cornerstone. He is the, the first, the most important stone that has been laid. He is, he is the stone in which everything else in the church is related. But then there's the foundation which is built on and around this cornerstone. The foundation which gets its direction from this cornerstone. The foundation, as we see at the beginning of verse 20, is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The apostles and the prophets. We know who the apostles are. We know them well. They are those who were called by Christ, those who saw the risen Lord, who were given a charter by Him to go, to make disciples, those who were sent. What about prophets? Is this Old Testament prophets? Is this the same as apostles? Apostles and prophets, they are both. Is this something else? Seems clear by the context of what we're talking about here is New Testament prophets. If it were Old Testament prophets, the order would be reversed. Prophets and apostles, since the prophets would have come first. So New Testament prophets, they're indicated by the order. In chapter 3 of this same book, Ephesians, verses 4 to 5, Paul used very similar language. He used the apostles and the prophets, and in that, he's very clearly referring to New Testament prophets. In chapter 4, verse 11, prophets and apostles are listed as two gifts to the church. And so there's these apostles and there's these prophets who have laid the foundation on and around Christ. Those who spoke with the authoritative and clear practical truth for the early church. The message which these men preached were the words of God revealed to them and empowered by the Holy Spirit. There was no completed New Testament at this point. There was no written down instruction for the church at this point. And Christ did not lay this, this cornerstone. It was, not, it was not Christ. And then he, he left the church with nothing. He provided for this church, this growing church, this infant church. And that provision was in these apostles and these prophets. They laid the foundation of this church. They labored to teach, to disciple, to establish. And you see this in verse 21. The chief cornerstone is Christ. The foundation which was then provided, built on that chief cornerstone laid by the, apostle, the apostles and the prophets. Then you have the building itself, fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Notice first, fitted together, it grows. It's not yet complete. 
It will be completed. But not until everyone who will believe has believed. The church will continue to grow until the church has accomplished the purpose for which it's been called. Until all nations are reached with the gospel. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. The church is God's dwelling place on earth. Don't hear me wrong. Not the building. It's not this building that is God's dwelling place on earth. It's not this room. This is just a room. It is the church. It is us. It is the people. First Corinthians 6.19, Paul says this, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Foundation of the church, the cornerstone is Christ. The foundation is the apostles and the prophets. But you're not left out. You have a role in this church that is being built. You are a part of it. God and his spirit is dwelling in you. You have a role to play in the church as an individual. And don't forget that. And don't take it lightly. The chief cornerstone is Christ. The foundation is the apostles and the prophets. And the building is you and me. The saints. Those who have placed their faith in Christ alone for salvation. The church is built on a sure foundation. That's what we see in this passage. It's a very short passage, but the truth is very clear. The church is built on a sure foundation. And the church will thrive and the church will triumph, not only because it is Christ's, but because it is built on his finished work. It is Christ's church. He's personally invested in it. He provided for it with the apostles and the prophets. And, and as Ephesians goes on to, to later talk about the gifts that he's given to the church. And you have a role to play. You've been filled. You've been called. You've been equipped. So be encouraged and be emboldened. Because you are standing on a sure foundation. Because the church will not fail. Because the gates of hell will not prevail. If this local body, this local church, Altoona Regular Baptist Church, if we fail to glorify God, and if we fail to make disciples, it is not because the church is not on a sure foundation. It's not because our, our, our foundation was shaky. It's because we have failed. 
We have failed to take seriously what we've been called to. Because the problem is not with the foundation. We are founded on the finished work of Christ. Christ provided for his church with apostles and prophets to lay the foundation. So let the sure foundation on which you stand give you boldness for the mission to which you've been called. As we start our journey looking at the church, I think it's important to start here. It's a short passage, but we have to understand this before we can go forward. The church was promised, the church was established, and the church has been built on a solid foundation. And that foundation will not shift. That foundation will not shake. It will not crumble. It will stand. And because the foundation will stand, the church will stand. And that we can be sure of. So what does that mean for us? It means that the task we've been called to, we can know that it will be accomplished. It means that the task to which we've been called to go and to make disciples is not a task that we have to shrink away from in fear. It's a task we must embrace. Because we know that the God who has called us to it has provided for it. So stand on the solid foundation of the word of God. Be encouraged. God has provided. God has established his church. It is his church. And it will stand. And the gates of hell will not prevail. The great commission will be fulfilled. And disciples from all over the world will stand and will worship the Lord. We're going to close with the song, We Are Your Church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I would encourage you to remember who you are. We are not Altoona Regular Baptist Church. We are Christ's church. We are not my church. We are Christ's church. That's the foundation on which we stand, and let us not forget it. Let's stand and sing.